Well, good morning, Shoreline. How are you? I just wanted to give a special thanks to Peter and the uh, worship team there. Thank you so much for preparing and practicing and helping us be close to God. You know, if you're visiting with us, we want to welcome you to our fellowship, our family. Uh, we're just uh, really a bunch of uh, Christians trying to make it to heaven. Uh, we're trying. We're stumbling, falling forward. We're just trying to get there. Uh, we're not perfect, but we're honest, and uh, that is an important part of being a Christian. If you've been with us for a few a few times uh, lately, we've been in the Bible and the Book of Luke, and we have been studying and learning about Jesus. And today's topic is trusting Jesus, especially when it requires life change. You know, usually I trust myself. Or the History Channel. <laughs> Facts, data, information. Uh, Karen and I were watching 2020 last night, last night about restaurant food and bacteria. We're very untrusting. We're completely untrusting of the restaurant business. The most infected part of the restaurant is what nobody guessed is actually the seat where you sit. I would have never guessed that. I would have thought it was the kitchen. And see, the second one was the menu. Third was the ketchup. Fourth was the salt and pepper. I love salt and pepper. <laughs> and all the times that, you know, my wife has been trying to convince me that, you know, always give a little squirt of puree and always do that. And all my annoyance of that, this, this, this mechanism of cleaning my hands, it's probably been 40% of our bumps in our marriage. <laughs> I just don't value washing these things. You know, I grew up playing licking fingers, eat, playing on eating dinner. I never, I didn't, I mean, I've had so much bacteria. My body is like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a Sherman tank. You can't get in. I, my, my body knows all the bacteria. And so, uh, you know, you start feeling like I'm not as trust. I've been very trusting and to find out that this is going on, maybe, maybe I had an untrusting feeling there. You know, and with Jesus, it deals with our life. It deals with our humanity. It deals with life change. And do, really, do we really believe the words of Jesus? Because that's what it comes down to trusting. Do you really believe his words? And in Luke chapter 5, if you look there with me, just before this part of the, of the storyline that Luke is really threading through. Now, Luke is writing to a Gentile audience. He's not writing to a Jewish audience. He's writing to an audience that's not familiar with the Jewish life. And, but he's trying to paint a picture for them to understand Jesus and for them to trust Jesus, to know his word, to trust what he says. And just before this passage in Luke 5, Jesus casts out a demon at church. That's kind of interesting. And then after that, Simon invites him over to his house and his mother's sick and then he heals his mother. You know, Jesus had some kind of interaction with Peter prior to this chapter in Luke 5. He, he was at his house. He healed his mother. They had a meal together. He had some fellowship. You know, Jesus was building a relationship. You know, if you're a Christian, what's one of the things you love to do? You love to build relationships. You love to kind of reach out to people who may not know God. You want to get to know them and have them over for dinner. That's what we do, right? As Christians, we want to get to know people. We want to build a relationship, a friendship. And so in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, we'll pick up the story. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gisenaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, uh, the, the, the Gentiles knew that 
by that name and the Jews knew it by another name, so that's why it's in the book of Luke. With the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put him out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down my nets. Let's just take a look at the story for, just for a moment. Simon is at work and just finished up a long evening of fishing. He and his, he and his fisherman team caught nothing. Now, in those days, the fishermen used nets. They had one boat to another boat, and they have the nets, and they drag it through the water, and they catch the fish. It wasn't like you and I think of boating, and we go on a little boat, and we throw a rod and reel out, and who's got the best bait, and we're trying to catch a fish. That was not the kind of fishing they were doing. They were, you needed a partner. You needed a, a team. It was a team effort. You know, this is why small groups in the church are so important. It's a team effort to make it in Christianity. There can't be solo Christianity. You can't be a, the, the aimless wanderer in Christianity. There's a team. And here are these two boats, these, these men, and they work together and they catch fish. And they just finish washing their nets. That, mean they, that means they were done for the day. That means they were tired. That means they were fried. You know, if I'd spent all night trying to fish with my buddies and caught nothing... I probably would have sold my nets right there. We're done. It's over. We all know that in the fishing business, you don't fish in the daylight. The fish hide. They're not, they're not near the shore. They're in the deep. And it's hard to catch them in the deep. But last year, we were out in the sun, and we went out into the deep, and I was fishing with my son, uh, Jaden, and a brother who, who remained nameless because I want to protect his heart. And my, my son caught a, caught a fish. He got the first bass ever in our family. He was fired up. He said, there it is, the bass, grab it. And the brother grabbed it. And all he had to do was just bring it onto the, bring it onto the boat. It was, it was on, and Jaden's like, this is amazing. I caught a bass. I can't believe it. Brother picked it up, and he's like, yep, he caught a bass. And, and somehow shook it off the line. And it fell right into the water. Bloop. And my, son, my son's like, what happened? Can we, can we just grab it? No, it's gone. It's over. He's like, what? What? It happens. Sometimes in, in teamwork, uh, a teammate can let you down. And that happens. We've got to trust Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We have to trust Jesus. And we said, son, you know, we're going to catch another one. Now, we haven't caught another one yet, but we're still trying. We're going to go back each year, and we're going to catch him a fishy, as he calls him. You know, we're going to have to try to go in the, in, in the morning time. You know, going out into deep water in the day was contrary to the training and experience of a fisherman. This went, this went against what a fisherman does. We don't do that, Jesus. We go at night when the fish are near the shore and we get them. That's what we do. We have to feed. That's the wisdom of fishing. That's why I don't see a lot of fishermen go out in the middle of the day fishing. Because you go early morning or you go in the, in the late evening. That's when you catch the fish. This went against, 
gets everything they've known. And Jesus is asking them to do something that goes against their instinct. That goes against their logic. Can you relate to that? I feel this way. The Bible says go this way. That doesn't make any sense. How can we do that? That doesn't seem positive. Like, like it's going to be a right, the right outcome. But Jesus says, hey, go out into the deep. You know, sometimes God calls us to do something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Love your enemies. I didn't even like doing that. Die to yourself. You die and then you live. Make disciples. For some, that's, like, that's, that's easy. For others, it's like, I don't know how to talk to people. That's hard. Love disciples. Like Peter talked about. Putting God first before everything. Before your, before your wife. Your kids. Your job. Put me first, he said. It's life change. Because when you do that, it automatically alters your lifestyle. Things that were once important aren't as important. Go out into the deep and put down your net. In one word, Jesus was asking, trust me. Trust me. You might be a fisherman. You're probably thinking, Jesus, you're a carpenter. This is my gig. I mean, you could just imagine with the temptation, what? You're, you build houses. I fish. Look at these hands. These are fishermen hands. You can make an argument. You know, it's the lenses that, that help us navigate our souls is trusting Jesus. It's the very core of any relationship. Will Peter trust Jesus? Will a fisherman trust a carpenter? And Peter replies with these words, because you say so, Against his instincts, against the bad results earlier, Peter does what the Lord asks of him. And the results are in verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. What a picture of Jesus' interaction with men. Amen. And this is a similar picture of us individually in our relationship with Jesus. If we want a relationship with Jesus in Christ, we've got to trust his words. We've got to trust what he says. Prevailing wisdom sometimes says, well, my logic should win. I can think this through. 
but it's the words of Jesus that produce miracles. You see, when we trust and begin to trust Jesus, it begins to produce in our life astonishing results that are spiritual. Amazing results. Jesus says, after Peter falls on his knees, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. I wonder what he was thinking earlier, you know what I mean? <laughs> Makes me wonder, what are you thinking, Peter? That Bible doesn't say, but he was thinking something. But he did it anyway. And he says to Peter, from now on, you'll catch men. You will be a fisher of men. He shifts his whole paradigm into thinking about Jesus says to catch men's souls. And this wasn't just for the apostles. This was for any follower of Jesus. Amen. 18 years ago, a man went fishing. And he caught me. Jesus, through him, caught me. Wow. Wasn't a churchgoer, but I got caught. And I knew my number was up. They pulled my ticket. The moment he opened the Bible, I said, I'm done. It's over. <laughs> in my heart, I said, this is it. The, the, the calling has now been, here's your number. I'm, I'm in. I knew it the moment the Bible was opened. Because I had been invited to church. But no one opened the Bible with me. I've been invited to my friend's church, and I went there, and I visited. I, I, I would appease that. But this man wasn't about the church. Wasn't about a, even a Bible talk. All he wanted to know was, have I ever read the Bible? Have I ever studied the Bible? That's all he wanted to know. And the answer was no. So the hook was in. Because when you trust, there's blessings. Amen. When you trust, it fulfills your souls. It humbles you. Get away from me, Lord. It humbles you. And fishing is about teamwork. You need your friends to help you fish for men. You know, Jesus sent people out two by two. You need, you need a team. You need a partner. Sometimes you go out one by one. That's pretty bold, right? When you go out one on one, just for the sake of courage, it's good for your soul. It's just good for courage's sake. You just do it one on one. just by yourself. But you're more powerful in pairs of two. Or three. You're stronger. You're more convinced. This is God's will. By yourself going, maybe this is God's will. I'm not sure if this is the right time. You know, it's a little cloudier day. Oh, they have cough. There's bacteria everywhere. You know, that's not, it's not a good day. Mercy. Trusting Jesus. Trusting Him when it feels weird. You know, that's usually my cop out. Oh, it just feels weird. Eh, it's weird. Can't do it. Versus trusting Him. You know, in Psalms 20, there's a, there's a passage here in the Bible that I want to share with you. In Psalms 20, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Let us not be people who trust in what we've accumulated. Let's not, be, let's not be the people we trust in the chariots of our intelligence. Or the, the horses in our garage. Because 
we can put a lot of value in what we've accomplished. And it reduces and minimizes our trust in God. Psalms 37 says this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe passage. You know, a lot of times when I trust God and it goes against my instinct, I'm not in a happy mood. Fine, I'll do it. Fine, I will obey with a bad attitude. Fine, I'll do it and be grumpy. But he says, trust and then do good. Do you trust with a bad attitude? I want to encourage you to trust and do good. Really enjoy your relationship with God. Because God's word says this in Romans 8. This is an amazing passage. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. You know, I sit down with people and they try to convince me that God is behind their demise. This God, this amazing God who died on the cross, is, as Peter said, love has done amazing things for us. But when we have a challenge or difficulty in our life, God must be <laughs> behind it. Somehow this loving God flips the switch and wants to make your life very difficult. A lot of times, trusting Him is difficult. That's true. But he's given you what to do and how to do it. But when our life has challenges, there's a part of us that starts to wonder, because maybe it's slow to change, that maybe God is fighting against me, or maybe God is manipulating this to hurt or wound my faith. Now, if you have children, and you're a father, you think to yourself, for me, that's absurd. That I would get up, see my son, and figure out how to make his life rough. That is absurd as a father. Yeah. Now, I'll discipline him when he's foolish. Right. You know, if he makes bad choices, there's some consequences. That's a normal relationship. Yeah. Yet sometimes when a man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. We make poor choices, and then we're like, why did he? Well, let's rewind the movie there. Did you trust? Did you obey the word? And a lot of times you did the opposite, and then it turns out this outcome that's difficult, and then you're like, why did you do that? Okay, that happens. But we're talking and you're loving, you're trying to be committed, you're trying to do what's right, you're trying to love your wife, you're trying to love your kids, trying to love your neighbor, love your brother, love your sister, and just life starts getting difficult. Who is behind that? Look at Ephesians chapter 6. I think this is one of the areas that really affect our trust in Jesus. And there's someone in the picture that I, I believe we fail to acknowledge. We fail to acknowledge someone else in the room. You know, a lot of times when I'm, when, I, when I'm struggling in my marriage, I'm being prideful or Karen's trying to correct me and I'm not seeing it. You know, I want to blame, I, I want to put her, she's the blame. She's why I'm not doing well. She has caused me to be unspiritual. 
They would do that in a relationship. Oh, because, yeah, look at this. If you would have said it differently. <laughs> if you would have said it this way, then I would have been so humble. But no, you had to say it that way. And now I have justified in my retort. Right? That's typical marriage, dating stuff, right? If you would have been humble, I would have been humble too, right? Ephesians 6, verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against your flesh and blood. Not against your wife, your husband, your kids, your neighbor, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What amazes me about people and disciples is that sometimes when they face challenges, they are quickly decide that God must be involved in this problem. God is hurting me. God is not fixing this. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. We want to make it about flesh and blood because that's what we see. Because I see you and you see me and it's got to be you. Right? I want to show you a video here in one second about this concept. There's someone else in the room with you. There's someone else that's involved in the equation. That, it, that it's not just flesh and blood. This video is called Recalculating. It's made by a friend of mine, Steve Johnson. And it has a point that I wanted you to take home with you. But there's someone else in the room. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We want and need to trust Jesus. In this movie, the Word of God is a GPS system. And it's going to navigate your life. But you got to trust it. Let's roll the video.